0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com.
1: Hey, this is Dan Savage. Welcome to uh, this, another installment of the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. We have lots of calls this week, so let's get right to them.
0: Hi, Dan. This is Marissa. I'm in a long-distance relationship um, with my boyfriend who lives actually near your neck of the woods. Um, the main issue is that, you know, when we see each other, we see each other for maybe five days out of maybe once every couple months or every month. And, you know, then we go at it pretty hard. And and I wind up getting sore and a little bit bruised. And then after he leaves, I wind up getting a UTI. Um, And so I've read all the literature about this, about, you know, the honeymoon syndrome and, you know, making sure you pee after every time you have sex and everything like that. However, I still do all that and I still wind up with UTIs. Um, So I guess what I'm asking you is that, you know, even if you're doing sort of everything right, is there anything that we can do as a sort of... Kind of what are we doing wrong? Is it the fact that we're having sex too roughly at first? If so, how do you even avoid that after not seeing each other for, you know, a couple months when you're 25?
1: If you've already talked about this with your doctors, I'm not sure what I'm going to be able to add. You know, pee after you're done, Uh, shower, Uh, make sure he's showered before you start. You know, women get urinary tract infections because bacteria and garbage and crap and pull tabs and bottle caps are all introduced into their urethra during sex during the grind of his crotch against your crotch and so if he's dirty and covered in bacteria and pull tabs and bottle caps they may get into you and that's why you want to wash and pee afterwards to get out whatever he ground in but if you're doing all that and you're still getting UTIs, there's really not much else I can tell you. You know, if you're banging away so hard when you see each other at first that you're, you know, after a couple days, you are bruised and sore and uh, lost many layers of skin, you can do everything right immediately afterwards and prevent whatever urinary tract infection that perhaps you would have gotten otherwise. But if you're leaving, you know, sore uh, with a lot of layers of skin ground off, Uh, And and your urethra irritated, then whatever bacteria you're exposed to later is going to give you, perhaps, uh, is going to have a better chance of of getting up inside you and creating a urinary tract infection that's not actually related to uh, him or hit the grind or whatever was going on in the sack, but just like how raw and exposed and vulnerable your urethra was left days later because of the intensity with which you bang away with each other uh, those five days a, week, a month you see each other. So there's nothing I can tell you to do except suffer, bitch, I guess. Uh, you know, the the only other option is to not bang away at each other with the, you know, intensity, uh, pleasure, delight, uh, thrill that you're banging away with each other now. But you don't want to do that. So it's I guess what I really, really want to say is what you have to ask yourself is The crazy wild sex you have once a month, is it worth the UTI? And if the answer is yes, keep having the crazy wild sex when you see each other once a month. If it's no, then you need to ramp it back uh, or let them fuck your ass.
2: I have two questions to ask you. The First question is regarding guys who are really hairy, and I'm talking about hair in like really gross places, like back hair, upper arm hair and just generally gross hairy guys demanding that their girls be totally shaved, totally waxed before eating their pussy. And so I'm wondering, are they just as bad as guys who just won't eat pussy at all or should we, you know, give them a little leeway? Maybe they, you know, maybe they've been influenced by porn, you know. What's up with that? And um You know, trimming is okay because, let's face it, like waxing really hurts and and shaving really sucks, you know, and grown hairs and stuff unless I'm doing something wrong. Um, So, give me your thoughts on that. And I was also wondering, in your last podcast, you were talking to a man who is afraid about going to the clinic and you call them a pussy. You, you, you changed it to scrotum, but then you, you kept calling him a pussy. So I know that you, you think pussies are strong because you know, they, they spit out human beings, but, but yet you were calling this guy a pussy. So, and you said that you would never sort of do that thing. So, uh, give me your thoughts on that. And, um, yeah.
1: What do I think of guys who, uh, require that the women that go down on are waxed and shaved and completely hairless down there before uh they'll eat pussy but they themselves are covered in hair in gross places um i don't think it's really important what i think uh, about those guys i think what matters is what the women that they're with each and every one of them individually thinks of those guys you know there's some women uh some people are into hairy guys you know uh hair everywhere hair on shoulders and backs and nut sacks and earlobes and coming out of nostrils, uh, is kind of, you know, seen as a sign, an outward sign of, uh, of, you know, ruggedness and masculinity. It somehow makes a manly man look all that more manly, you know, smooth skin and hairlessness is associated with boyishness. Uh, and uh, when you're talking about dudes and, uh, some people like, you know, a big hairy guy, uh, but a lot of hairy guys and a lot of guys period are as you said you know influenced by porn I think but also by this idea that you know if hairy equals masculine hairless equals feminine and so a woman that is hairless down there and hairless everywhere is somehow you know that much more feminine and that much more arousing uh you know if it's a squeamishness about getting a little hair in your mouth that's just bullshit but if a guy is like extra special turned on because there's uh no hair there Uh, like i said it it matters what the woman he's with thinks you know if she's happy to do that for him uh, and doesn't demand that he shave in return as some sort of quid pro quo of nair then it's good it works works for both of them everybody's happy but clearly you're not happy clearly you're being asked by guys to endure ingrown hairs uh, and waxing that hurts and shaving that sucks Uh, And you feel that you shouldn't have to go hairless if they're not going to go hairless. Now, there are a lot of women out there now who prefer hairless boy crotch or man crotch. Most porn uh, that women look at, the guys don't have any pubes. You go on most personals websites, the guys are all shaved. Swinging clubs, swingers organizations recommend to men and women that they remove or trim their pubic hair before they come to swingers events, because that's kind of standard practice. Now, I guess hairlessness is where it's at. I don't know where I'm going now. Now I'm just vamping. I've lost my place too much pot in college. Uh, But Hey, I think it's unfair and he shouldn't ask you to shave if he's not willing to shave, but if he asks you to shave and you enjoy shaving uh, and are down with it and actually would prefer him to stay here, he shouldn't have to shave blah, blah, blah. Next question. Hi Dan. Um, I love your
0: show. And a few of the recent topics that have come up have got me thinking um, about how when I was a kid I had some sexual experiences when I was very young with my best friend from around the block. We'd hang out all the time. We played all kinds of games. And one of the games that I remember us playing when I was, I think we were seven, was basically role-playing S&M or sexual violence or something. And at the time, of course, we didn't know what sex was. We didn't really understand how horrifying adults would have found what we were doing. Um, and I don't know where we got it, TV or what, but um, we were basically just role-playing a man being sexually dominant over a woman, and one of us would have to get naked. Or well, actually, I think we both got naked, and there was kissing and touching and pretending to tie each other up. And um, we definitely didn't understand how bad the adults in the area would have found that. Um, we knew that it was probably something we wouldn't really approve of, so we kept it secret until, of course, her mom once found her naked when I went up to the bathroom <laughs> and after that told us we couldn't do that anymore because that's what lesbians do. Um, but, uh yeah, after that, we didn't do it again, and I completely forgot about it. I obviously wasn't scarred by it. Um, I didn't think of it again until college when it popped into my head one day, and I remembered, oh, my first kiss wasn't my first boyfriend in high school it was my best friend when I was seven when we were practicing for boys or whatever it is we were doing um and I'm just wondering how common you think this kind of thing is I don't think it was might have been a little shocking but it wasn't bad for me I haven't been scarred by it in any way I spent most of my life not remembering I had done it I find it kind of amusing now um so I'm just wondering if you think that this is the kind of thing that is very uncommon open sexual violence in the seven, or um, if it's really unhealthy, for most people at least, or um if it's fairly common and maybe people are a little too quick to freak out about kids and sexuality.
1: I think your mom was on to something. You know, we hear about lesbian bed death all the time, and maybe that is what lesbians do. They get naked and then go to separate rooms in the house so that maybe one of their moms can find each other and really spoil the mood. Um, do kids do this? Yes, kids do this. Kids engage in sexual role play um, uh, when they're young. And, you know, it's cops and robbers. There's a tremendous amount of really sexualized violence that is presented uh, to children and to adults, and children see it as entertainment, and not even explicitly sexualized violence. But, you know, Batman in peril and Catwoman in her dominatrix outfit tying Batman up, all this crap that's thrown before kids, is definite sexual subtext, and children have sexual... Imaginations, uh, And, you know, anyone who's worked around kids knows that kids flirt and kids uh, do engage in some sort of, you know, pre-adolescent pre-understanding, as in your case, sex play, uh, sexual roughhousing, which is what you're doing. You shouldn't feel bad about it. Um, you know, we've reached a point culturally where we're so paranoid about children being, maybe appropriately so, about children being abused sexually that, you know, children being acted on sexually that we just can't even process or handle the the idea of children acting out sexually or acting on each other sexually. You know, we're putting 15-year-olds in prison for sleeping with 13-year-olds. And we look at, you know, if there's four kids basically playing doctor, which is what it used to be called, now it's called felonious behavior. We look at four kids playing doctor and we pick the oldest out and call that person, that one, the instigator. And, you know, we have an inquisition and it's the fucking Salem witch trials. Uh, which can cause an adult like you who thinks back on her childhood, which is perhaps pre the total like level of hysteria that we have now about these things. And you, an adult will remember something that they did and go, oh my God, this must be totally problematic. Or why wasn't I harmed by this? Or how fucked up exactly was that? It wasn't that fucked up. It was actually pretty normal. Your mother, uh, despite her lesbian comment, I think did the right thing. You know, when kids are engaged in activities that you know, are sort of playing doctor. You kind of, as a parent, I think want to nudge them away from it, not like terrorize them about the, about it and give them a hang up and make them feel shamed and tormented for the rest of their lives about, you know, the disgusting pervert that they were at seven, but you do kind of want to like nudge them away from the idea, you know, nudge them away. Toward the idea that maybe playing doctor or being naked and sexual violence and s and role play games are for adults. Just like the beer that the kids have access to in the fridge that if your parents find you drinking, they're going to nudge you away from pretty firmly, right? Same with sex. Sex is for adults. Kids are going to do these things. Uh, kids, one of the things, ways in which we socialize children sexually is to understand when and where it is appropriate to be sexual, And it just kind of ain't appropriate for an eight-year-old to be sexual just about anywhere at all. Or a seven-year-old to be sexual just about anywhere at all. So your parents nudging you away from this behavior or letting you know that it's going to be frowned on or letting you know that uh, it's not appropriate for a seven-year-old was the right thing to do. Uh, Saying that's what lesbians do was the wrong thing to do. Uh, But, you know, to sum up, don't be paranoid about it. Don't be freaked out about it. We shouldn't as a culture be so fucking... Uh, We shouldn't act like such fucking pussies every time we notice that kids are engaged in, uh, you know, a little child-appropriate sex play. And we should also, a la your mother, uh, communicate to children in an age-appropriate way that sometimes there are behaviors that are not age-appropriate for kids. Uh, And we should figure out a way to say that that doesn't make us sound like a bunch of pussies. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and I'm calling you to ask you to repeat your question in under 35 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> we we got your question, but it's it was so you took so long to get to the point. We just want you to like repeat the question and get to the point.
3: Okay, well it's like this. I have a friend. Okay, um, she introduced uh, she introduced me and my current boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and you know, me and him started hanging out more. We've been together now for a year. She's been acting real strange. Our business has been going out and everything. Or when me and her used to go out and hang out a lot. It used to be just me and her, but now that I'm dating someone, she's like totally different. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to understand, you know, what it is. I mean, she denies like everything, like as far as I mean, what other people notice when me and her are together, like you know that she's in love with me or whatever. Or
1: so, how much time did you spend together before you got a boyfriend?
3: Oh my God, we hang out
1: a lot, every like, minute. every minute, right? I mean, pretty much. I mean, is it yeah, a cliche fat yeah. tag set up? I'm sorry. Is it a big cliche fag hag setup?
3: Well, a little bit, yeah.
1: Okay, so usually what's going on in a fag hag setup? Uh, no offense to your friend, I worship fag hags and I'm using. Oh, we a... a fruit pie. We got a fruit pie fag hag. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what usually goes on is you were romantic friends. Whether you're probably not having sex, but you were fulfilling romantic, emotional needs for each other. Uh-huh. And you were emotionally available to her in a way that you're no longer emotionally available to her. Right. And right. she doesn't have a boyfriend now like you do. She isn't getting those needs met elsewhere. So, of course, right. she's jealous.
3: See, and, and I, that's, what I, that's what I came to the conclusion when we first had the same type of situation. Mm-hmm. You know, that me and her were both dependent on each other for something. You know,
1: and, th- and, you know, those things, you know, a lot of people want to say that's always unhealthy and gay guys and straight women shouldn't have that kind of friendship because she's one or the other are always going to get hurt. And it's not always her, but it seems to be most often her yeah. that gets hurt when it comes to an end. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I disagree because I think, you know, having romantic friends uh, in the absence of a romantic partner uh, can be great for all concerned. You know, it's better than sitting home alone doing nothing. uh uh-huh. um, uh-huh. But what you have to do and what your boyfriend has to do is acknowledge that, you know, and give that to her, that, you know, her feelings are hurt and you have less time for her. And that's true. And you need to to compensate because you, you owe her this as her friend, but also, you know, she did fix you up with this guy.
3: Yeah, you need to make yeah. some
1: time for her alone and have a right. conversation with her where you say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with you, as I did before, but I'm still going to spend time with you, and spend time with you alone.
3: Yeah, see, I wish we would have done that before we had the falling out and everything. Because
1: what you were probably doing was, your boyfriend was, you, and you were joined at the hip, and you didn't see her but with him there. Right.
3: Yeah, I mean, we would invite her over for, like, we would invite her over for stuff, and then she would always call out things like, you know, I don't want to be, like, the third wheel, or,
1: and that's, or, you know, you know that's I understand- don't want
3: to be tagging along, or whatever, and I'm like, that's not even it, like... You work with him. Like, you know what I'm saying? So her and him, they work together, and they, uh, so they know each other before me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they they were, they were, they're co-workers. They are coworkers.
1: they did not have the same kind of intimate connection that you and she had in your fag and fag-hag relationship. Well, my point is, is that there were, I mean, it's not like I was inviting her over with like a stranger. Oh, oh, I know. It's not, no, it's not about you were excluding her. But when she, when it was just you and her hanging out, when you guys were just friends, you were able to provide her with a kind of, you know, emotional support and a kind of friendship that she either can't accept from you when he's there, too, because uh, she does feel like a third wheel, and that's a legitimate feeling. You shouldn't, like, say she shouldn't feel that way. Uh, or you don't provide her when well, he's there, too.
3: Well, then tell me this. I mean, she's gone on multiple dates, okay, with other guys. That's fine. You know, and she's done her thing. I'm I, I'm just to to look for that and get that um, and then like or we'll try to set her up with people and she just doesn't want to do it.
1: Well, you, you know, know, there's a reason. I, there's a reason why sometimes a fag hag is has romantic friendships with fags, and it's because some for some of them, you know, people go, oh, look, you know, this one's hugely fat. No man would want her. That can be really cruel, but there's some truth there. In other cases, it can be just she doesn't, you know, for some reason, doesn't want. A, a, a heterosexual male partner. She doesn't want to have sex, or she's afraid of straight men, but she still wants some, like, male energy and attention in her life, and she gets it from gay guys. So, like, if you're fixing her up and she's just not interested, maybe she's not interested for other reasons than her own.
3: Yeah, that, you know? that, that yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, but, the, and I just, you know, I just, it just, it sucks because, on my end, because I'm, like, I feel like I'm trying to, you know, develop this relationship with him, and at the same time, I'm I'm like straining the relationship with her because I'm trying to do that.
1: Well, it may, okay. you may you may have to let the relationship with her. You know, sometimes you know when you break up with somebody and it's an ugly breakup and you you know you can't see them for a while. Right. But then you know you start you run into them again at like a year or two later. Yeah. And yeah, you are suddenly yeah. like you can be friends again. Yeah. Like yeah. like whatever the you know whatever sort of hurt feelings. Or grief sort of burned off, and what was left behind was this ability to, like, was the rapport and the friendship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys were romantic friends. You were romantically involved. There was just no sex. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, you need to, like, let let her get mad at you and let her take off and not see each other for a while. I know I'm giving you the opposite advice of what I just gave you a minute ago, but this can also work. (laughs) <laughs> where you don't yeah. see each other for a while, and like, you know, let the passions cool, let her grief burn off, let her be mad at you, and you be mad at her a little bit for putting you in this position and making you feel torn between the guy she set you up with and her. Uh huh. And then, like, let it go for a year, and then see if you can't be buddies again. Once she learns to, well, once she either learns to stand on her own feet, starts dating someone seriously, or finds another fag to be fag hag for, and yeah. takes the fag hag burden off your shoulders. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks. I appreciate it, man. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you again. Bye.
0: I've read your column since I was in high school uh, for years and years and years, and I've listened to every podcast. And I was listening to your latest podcast where you apologized for being rude and patronizing by saying that people had managed to download each podcast. And I thought it was so bizarre because – you we listen to you because you're rude and patronizing. It's so goddamn entertaining and um and I think it's so bizarre when somebody criticizes you for something and you pick that out of the out of the hundreds of questions and comments and decide to listen to it. Which I suppose means that you have some sort. Of, I didn't ring the bell with you, but I just wanted to say that I love your rudeness and your patronizingness And I also advocate you going back to using pussy the way it's meant to be used, which means that somebody's being weak and they need to man up. You know, both those terms are sexist, but you're damn savage. You're allowed to be rude and sexist and patronizing because we love you for it.
1: Oh. Oh. So you love me for being rude and sexist and patronizing, do you? You stupid little... Bitch. All right, I guess I'll go back to being rude and stupid and patronizing. I just, I really am sometimes just a a windsock. Somebody calls and yells at me because I use pussy as it's intended to be used, uh, as this rude, stupid, uh, dumb bitch caller points out. Uh, and so I swear off using pussy in the the weak and stupid sense because you know pussies as somebody. Uh, else who called in and pointed out can spit out human beings and take a real pounding except for the earlier callers pussy who every time it takes a pounding gets a uti so i guess some pussies are weak and defenseless uh in the face of bacteria anyway and so then somebody else calls and says start using pussy again and start stop uh being such a pussy yourself and start being rude and sexist and patronizing again and so i will i'm going to be rude and sexist and patronizing for the rest of this uh show
4: Hey, Dan, my name's Max, and I just listened to your last podcast, and I listened to the well, you said somebody was complaining about the word pussy, and I'd heard somewhere and decided to look it up. Um, I found on Wikipedia, which I know is not the most reliable source, but it's more reliable than I would actually want to think, but uh, it says the meaning of the word weak or cowardly person has a separate entomology than the female genitalia entomology. Um, it Lists, uh, this version of per- percy is an alternate spelling of the word percy, an otherwise obsolete English word meaning fat and short breath, fat, short, and thick, swelled w- with pampering. So, the word plus you referring to somebody as weak is not the same, has a different origin than the word plus you referring to the female genitalia. Oh, yeah. So, there's no need to start inserting uh, the word scrotum in there because there's no relation. So uh, you can look up
1: yourself. Thanks. Well, if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. Uh, actually, I have a really uh, a low opinion of Wikipedia because somebody wrote a Wikipedia entry for me that uh, has so many errors in it uh, and so much uh, incorrect information. Starting with my age, Wikipedia has me fifteen years older than I actually am. That I don't trust anything else I read on Wikipedia ever. But if Wikipedia says I can call somebody a pussy without it meaning that they're a female vagina as opposed to a man vagina, um, maybe I should go with Wikipedia in this instance and stop calling people who are weak and vulnerable scrotes or scrotums. Uh, even though, you know, there is some truth to the fact that, you know, a vagina can take a real battering, whereas a scrotum can't. If you're going to really batter someone's scrotum, you got to duct tape them to the table first. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, unless you're seven years old
0: hi mr savage um my name is lauren and i'm a 23 year old woman um i've had a boyfriend for about two years now and i love fucking him we have a great time in the sack and everything um the the problem is that i have a really bad aversion to porn or sex in the media of any kind um i don't know including your show, um, to be honest. I mean I respect it a great deal, but to be honest it makes me sick to my stomach. And I really I really like sex and I wanna support it, support the industry, I guess. And I'm kind of I'm curious about it. And I'm just wondering what what issue am I having and I'm wondering if you can help me.
1: Anybody who calls the show and leaves a message for me and says that just listening to my show makes them sick to their stomachs is someone i have to talk to in person we're going to give this one a call
0: hey it's lauren thanks for calling me back
1: uh, sure thing lauren uh so if the show makes you sick to your stomach like what's going to happen when you hear your own voice on the show you just going to fucking hurl
0: <laughs> i know i probably will <laughs> but it really it really is an issue that i'd like to deal with because my boyfriend um whose name is dan also he He's really into porn, as I assume most
1: guys are, and mm-hmm. I and I I want to be able to share it with him, and it just like all guys are into porn. So we need uh, to get that out there. Not most, all, each and every last fucking one of them. All right.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm being rude.
1: <laughs> I was told earlier I had to be rude today because I was being pussy right. last week. So somebody else <laughs> called earlier and said I needed to be rude. So I'm being rude to you, and I take <laughs> uh, I apologize. And I blame the previous caller. Um, So your boyfriend likes porn, but why do you feel under some sort of obligation to enjoy it with him?
0: I don't. I just I hate any sort of intimacy in the media, movies, um, even even people kissing. I, I get really uncomfortable for some reason. But you and don't mind
1: doing it yourself.
0: I don't mind at all. But, I love But, like, it. like,
1: say you're at the movies and Harrison Ford starts making out with some girl who's young enough to be his great-granddaughter. Besides the whole, you know, January 1st, December 31st yeah. romance, it still annoys you. You have to, like, cover your eyes.
0: I turn my head. You know what? I do the that exact is. same
1: thing. <laughs> so I may not be the right person to... to uh, To advise you on this, I'm terribly sexually repressed, and I actually don't look at pornography, um, which may come as a shock to some people. I just don't think that, you know, there are places the sun doesn't shine for very good reasons, and I don't want to see, you know, rectal mucus glistening off the clay (laughs) lights as some dick pounds in and out of some poor motherfucker's ass. Right. I like doing it, but you know what? When I'm doing it, I can't see it.
0: Is there something wrong uh, for people who
2: don't dig the porn?
1: No, there's not something wrong with you if you don't dig the porn. It just doesn't work for you. You know, a lot of people like porn, but people aren't required to like porn, and people who don't like porn, there's nothing necessarily wrong with them, so long as they don't look at other people who like porn and say, there's something wrong with you. you know, As right. long as you don't project your discomfort onto others and say that you don't share my discomfort proves that you're immoral or not a good person or a sicko, which is what a lot of people who don't like porn do. They go, "I don't like porn," and then they turn their dislike of porn into some sort of moral achievement by saying, you know, by regarding it as a, as, a, as some sort of like, you know, selfless stand. I'm not going to consume this stuff that has no appeal to me, and then pretend I'm better than you.
0: Right. I I try not to do that, but I think I think my boyfriend senses some um, senses some some of my discomfort, and he um, he doesn't get it either. And so he's the one that suggested that I, that I call you. So, so I, I could
1: talk you out of your discomfort with porn, boy, I am the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, I, my oh. boyfriend likes to watch porn, but I can only be in the room if he's sitting on my face and I can't see it. Oh. So it doesn't make you
0: jealous or anything like
1: that? No, it doesn't make me jealous. But, you know, we're guys.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, does it doesn't make you jealous? Is that one of the reasons you don't like porn? Because you don't want him looking at other ladies? Maybe... Maybe. You're so self-effacing. Just say yes if the answer is yes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well then you need to do the like what's common to many straight relationships where he pretends that he doesn't look at porn and you pretend that he doesn't look at porn when you know that he does.
2: Okay.
1: It's called being mutually considerate. He's considerate enough about consuming his porn in ways that are discreet enough that you can r- turn a blind eye. Okay.
0: So you're saying that it's okay? It's okay to keep uh, certain things from each other. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Other. Oh God, relationships are monuments built on lies. <laughs> there's no such. Th- there's no long-term relationships without a, a, a web, a tissue of lies, a fucking Eiffel Tower steel girder construction of lies. Okay. <laughs> how
0: long have you right. been?
1: How long have you been sexually active?
0: Ah, uh, since I was 15.
1: And you're 23. Yeah. So this is who you are. You're a tiger in the sack, and out of the sack you're a little bit of a prude. And you know what? That's okay. That's actually interesting, because there's some tension there. You know what I mean? People have contradictions, and people's contradictions are often what make them attractive. You know? The most interesting people I've slept with were slightly prudish out of the sack, and the fucking clown car full of kinks and weirdnesses in the sack, and you were just like, "Where does this come from? Why aren't you like this out of bed?" And then I realized one day, I like it better that you're not like this out of bed because okay. it makes going to bed with you uh, like a fucking terrifying theme park ride. Because <laughs> you never know where you know what fucking roller coaster we're going to get on, and that's more interesting than you know somebody who every moment of the day looks like they were born in a swing with a fist in their ass. So, be who you are sexually, which is when you're aroused, you're a tiger, and when you're not aroused, you're kind of indifferent or annoyed or put off, right? Okay. And love it. It's interesting. It's compelling. It's attractive. And your boyfriend should find that attractive about you, because it means he is so attractive and so appealing and so good in bed that he turns you from this judgmental sour block of ice into a fucking boiling vat of vaginal excretions.
0: And that he does.
1: You guys have it going. <laughs> You're lucky to have each other.
0: Alright, well, thank you very much for calling me. I appreciate your help.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. A boiling vat of vaginal excretions. I don't even know what that means. I was sort of searching for words. And the beauty of like writing a sex advice column is you can type boiling vat of sexual vaginal excretions and then a minute later you can look at that sentence and go that's not quite what i meant and change it before you put it in the newspapers all over the country before anybody has a chance to read it you can change it you can edit it but we can't edit these live to tape uh, interventions uh, so sometimes if you're a listener to the podcast you will have to hear me say things like boiling vat of vaginal excretions i i think i meant you know, a roiling sea of vaginal secretions. Because vaginas secrete? Is that what they fucking do? They make that that natural lady lube that we homos have to buy in little plastic jars at the sex toy store that are going to live forever in uh, landfills. Whereas the ladies just pump it out. It's totally not fair. You know, God... Gave us prostates, and that's uh, a good thing for the gays, but God didn't give us natural vaginal-esque excretions, uh, which is totally discriminatory. All right, that uh, concludes this installment of the Savage Love podcast. Uh, The tech-savvy at-risk youth are giving me dirty looks, maybe because a couple of them are having vaginal excretions right now, because just hearing me say vaginal excretion is so fucking arousing. that as soon as i walk out this door you know all the tech savvy youth are going to be in a pile on the floor Two zero six two zero one two seven two zero is the number here at the podcast if you want to record a question for a future podcast that is the number call two zero six two zero one two seven two zero and excrete your question into the phone and i will excrete an answer next week on the podcast www.thestranger.com slash savage is where you download it every week and we'll be back next week with another podcast